Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. a short worship series that will serve as an interlude between the topics of scriptural speed bumps, difficult scriptural passes that we covered in September and October. And then as we move in to Advent, we have November, and we thought this would be a good time for us to tackle something that we are peripherally aware of, but that we don't spend a lot of time on in the Protestant churches, and that is martyrdom. And so this month, for the four Sundays of November, we will be talking about a different martyr each week, and today we are clearly starting in Scripture with Stephen. And we hope that even though martyrs and martyrdom, that that tends to have this negative connotation and and this disturbing thing most people want to kind of walk away from. We hope that we will all open ourselves up to hearing what the martyrs have to teach us. For being a martyr is someone who is persecuted and suffers and even dies for their faith. And sometimes there's confusion about whether or not Jesus was a martyr. Jesus was a different M word. Jesus is the Messiah. And so Jesus was not persecuted and killed because he believed in himself, but rather he fulfilled the messianic prophecy of coming to die so that all sins may be forgiven. And those who believe in Jesus and are persecuted for that, even to death, are martyrs. So Jesus is not a martyr to himself, but he is our Messiah. And today we will be focusing on Stephen, who is considered to be the first martyr in Scripture. St. Stephen, as some of you may be familiar with him, was not an apostle. He's not one of the big 12. Instead, he is actually one of the first deacons recorded in Scripture. And how did that come about? Well, it just so happens that apostle, the Acts of the Apostles records for us that earlier in chapter 7 that people started to cry out because there were widows in the Christian communities who were not able to get out and get food for themselves and they were not receiving food and that this injustice could not continue. And so they cried out to the apostles and said, this must be addressed. And the apostles said, absolutely. And it says in the scripture, it is not right. It was unjust that this should be happening. And so they prayed and the Holy Spirit illuminated for them the opportunity to call forth seven good disciples in order to move into this new ministry of justice. And today, even still, in the United Methodist Church, we ordain deacons to ministries of justice and compassion. And so they carry on in the name of St. Stephen. And Stephen was the first one to be kind of offered up or nominated, if you will. And everyone speaks very highly of him in Scripture. They said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. He was rich with the Holy Spirit, that he had great faith and wonderful acts of mercy and kindness. And so he was the first one to become a deacon. And for this, he finds himself traveling around and given opportunity to to speak about his faith and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he does so. However, back then, I know it'll be hard for you to wrap your heads around this, but back then, people didn't want to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Back then, people didn't want to hear that perhaps all people were sinful and made mistakes 
and needed to be reconciled not only to God but one another and that therefore work had to be done and Jesus did that for us and that if we would be believers in his salvific acts upon the cross that therefore we could be reconciled and forgiven and live out what it is to be loved and freed by almighty God and people didn't want to hear that people were in a place and a time and human history where they would rather just kind of let it go by the wayside and if you don't talk about it then eventually people will forget about it and then we can all just move on i know it's hard to put yourself in a position to live like that because we don't live like that now do we instead people didn't want to be confronted with their sinfulness with the idea that they might have done something wrong in crucifying jesus and so Stephen, in his proclamations, has those who try to silence him. Eventually, he is brought before the Sanhedrin, the very same council that Jesus stood before and was condemned. Here, Stephen finds himself in front of these same individuals. He's given the opportunity to recant. And not only does he not recant, but there is a huge speech, which I have spared you, proclaiming the salvific acts of Jesus Christ, the miraculous ministry that he brought to earth and what we have received in the kingdom that it was inaugurated at his birth and through his earthly ministry. And they hated what they heard so much that the text tells us that at the completion, he got a little personal at the end. I know, you know, you uncircumcised in spirit. When he got a little personal at the end, that they ground their teeth at him. And I want you to just try to imagine a crowd of angry, discontent people grinding their teeth. Yeah, that sounds great, doesn't it? And that sound is the answer, the vocal answer to the proclamation of the gospel in Stephen. They're so angry that they don't want him to just be quiet. They want him done. They want him finished. And so they take him out and they take him outside of the city so that they won't profane their city. They take him out and they start to stone him. And he will be the first recorded in scripture to die because he would not waver in his faith in Jesus Christ. And Christians all over the world throughout time have encountered this same response to their faith. And we still encounter people today who are told, your faith is private. You can do whatever you want to do with Jesus. We just don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to think about it. That's between you and God. And Jesus says, absolutely not. That is not why I came. I didn't come just to be your private savior. I came to be the savior of the world. I came here because every human being stands in need of grace. They need to be loved and forgiven and they need to be united and they need to be brought together into the kingdom that I will complete when I return. And that is the gift that we have been given in the gospel. And so many times we are afraid to speak that truth. We live in a time right now where people are in open conflict with their neighbors. People who seem to be rational human beings, reasonable, otherwise very likable, find themselves on opposite ends of a belief spectrum. And how can we read the same books and live in the same communities and have access to similar education and yet find ourselves so irreconcilable that we cannot agree on issues? 
that we wonder whether or not Satan has inherited the kingdom already because people can't seem to come out on the same end of the belief spectrum as we are. And then we make decisions and we watch as relationships are torn asunder because we can no longer agree. And Stephen is showing us, even from the grave, in the testimony of the Acts of the Apostles, that there is another way than to hate and to disengage and to walk away. Because when confronted with the opportunity to call down from heaven God's righteous vengeance, Stephen does not. And there's past precedence for this in Scripture. There are plenty of people who have the Spirit of the Lord upon them, who are servants of God in the Old Testament, who when they are wronged, they seek justice, and God can sometimes literally rain down fire and brimstone. In fact, there's a wonderful story about the prophet Elisha. He had male pattern baldness, and apparently it was a little overwhelming in his physical structure. And so as he was walking about one day doing his business for the Lord, some young men came out of their city and saw him and started to mock him and make fun of him. And he was able to call upon the Lord to bring two she-bears to maul them. It's in the Bible. You gotta go read this stuff. It's really great. And so there is a precedence for this. If you have been wronged, it is completely biblical to call upon God to avenge you, to save your dignity, to smite those who have made you feel bad, who have hurt your feelings, as Elisha did. However, that is not the path that Stephen takes. Stephen, in a moment where all of us could understand, all of us, if we had been in that position, they were taking him out to kill him. If he had pleaded for God to rain down hellfire and brimstone, to find some she-bears, could we not understand and appreciate and even have compassion for that? But that is not what he did. The text is very clear. He does what Christ did. When Christ had come, and was betrayed, and nailed to the cross, and in the act of dying, he looked down from the cross at those who were there not only to cheer on his suffering, his death, not only those who had been part of it, but those who had been the machinations to make it happen, those who were mocking his pain and his suffering, those who wanted to watch him die, and instead of calling upon hellfire and brimstone, Christ our Lord said, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And Stephen does likewise. They do not understand me. They cannot appreciate the words in my faith. They do not understand why I have come out to do these things. I have fed widows. I have cared for the people in the community that have been forsaken by society. And yet here they seek my destruction. And they are wrong. And yet his response is, Lord, forgive them. They do not understand. And in our moments of weakness, when we feel that everything is caving in, we are being asked to respond as Jesus, as Stephen did. Because if we seek to fight fire with fire, if we want to engage with destruction, words that hurt and sear, then it will never end. The response will be to continue. Because even though someone wronged us first, when we wrong back, when we fight back in that way, 
It becomes lost in the original sin. And we perpetuate a cycle of verbal violence, physical violence, hatred, and deterioration. And it all literally goes up in flames. It goes up in flames because everything is so delicate. The strings of relationship that unite us, the weavings of a community and a society, the being knitted together through the works and our, our common experiences and being near one another, those things can be ignited and burned up and decimated with one word. And God is asking us to choose different words. God is showing through the redemption of the martyrdom of Stephen that there is another way to respond. And that is hard. It is incredibly difficult, especially when you are in the moment when you wonder who is standing before you. This surely cannot be a beloved child of God uttering these things. And yet that is precisely what we have been asked to do. It is not easy to cling to a faith that is so profound that it requires us to change the way we respond. It's easier to have the faith and keep it all on the inside and react as the world reacts, to come at them the way they are coming at us, to look at our neighbor who is in opposition to us in some kind of topic or on the political spectrum or even in the topic of faith and to say that we cannot be aligned and therefore you must be destroyed. I will excise you from my life. I will cut you off from relationship. Christ did not die for this. Christ came that all of us might discover reconciliation, that all of us might be loved and forgiven even in our state of sinfulness. And Stephen was martyred because of human sin. How many more must we take down before we determine that that is not the response, that the angry mob, the crowd, hurling violent words and even hurling objects to hurt is not the way of Jesus Christ. He was more than happy to engage in dialogue. He was more than happy to share his blessings, his miracles with all of those who would come and draw forth. But never did Christ turn around and excise anyone. Never did he degrade them to the point that they had been stripped of their dignity and their personhood. We live in a world where people are martyred for their faith all the time. And not just killed. People who are beaten down, they are cast aside and cast out. They are persecuted. Our brothers and sisters in Judaism at a synagogue were recently killed because they dared to be in their holy house. And on a day like this, a day when the church deems that we shall wallow in the sorrow, when we will remember that there are those like St. Stephen, like those whose names are listed here, our beloved brothers and sisters of Christ here at Crozet United Methodist Church who have claimed the promise of the resurrection, there are those things that are worth suffering and dying. That there are times 
when we don't waver because we believe that strongly. And it is incredibly difficult to be in the world today and not respond as the crowd responded and instead to be inspired by St. Stephen. Oftentimes we think that the world is about constantly being happy. And sometimes that bleeds into the church. Like we should always be happy here. And yet the church more than any other living, breathing entity recognizes that death crashes into our lives. It robs us of people that we love. It robs us of a future that we thought we would have together. And here we are left. Our lives have been decimated by death. And our response could be to cut off people and to be completely sealed in that sorrow. Or our response could be to find joy even in the midst of our mourning. And the joy that we have is in the recollection of what God gave us. That not just our dearly departed brothers and sisters from the synagogue in Pittsburgh and St. Stephen and those saints that came after him, but even our own saints gave us something worth remembering, worth embodying, worth speaking and living. And All Saints Day, especially when combined with the sacrament of Holy Communion, is about changing how we understand what we do now. When death comes into our lives, we cannot go on as if nothing has happened. And it is a sin to insist that those who mourn do that. To rob someone of their pain, to take away their opportunity to recognize the deep loss that they have suffered is wrong. And the church recognizes that by saying that, yes, there is a time for rejoicing. There is a time for mourning because we recognize fundamentally from the very beginning there was a time for living and a time for dying. And there are those all along the way who wrestle with their own mortality, with the loss of someone that they loved and cherished and held so deeply. And the church resonates with that pain. We come here because we need to be edified and encouraged. We need God's strength that we may endure and persevere in a time when it hurts just to live. And so All Saints Day is not only a remembrance of St. Stephen, but it is about remembering that one day we too will join with them, all those who have faith in Jesus Christ and who have breathed their last, we will be joined with them again. We come here to be reminded that the God who not only blessed us by giving us these incredible persons, now holds them in trust and promises us that we shall see them again. And Holy Communion is the meal that we partake in to give us the strength to carry on until that vision, that hope, that promise on the day of resurrection is brought to fruition. We need time at Christ's table to remind us that death is not the end.
I've read the entire book once or twice. And I can tell you, as I've said before, we win in the end. We win because Christ has already fought and won this battle for us. The problem is that when we're here, it's hard to remember what's here. And so we draw close to one another and to our Lord and Savior, and we seek that comfort that comes from knowing that at least once a year, the body of Christ opens up its heart, acknowledges its gaping wounds and its vibrant, blaring vacancies, and asks God to fill those holes in our hearts for just a moment, to remind us that the pain is not permanent. And while it may never, ever go away in this life, it will go away when our loved ones are restored to us. May that hope and that promise sustain us, encourage us, guide and guard us, not only this day, but in the days ahead. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.